Hello from Spearfish, South Dakota. It's the Black Hills Information Security Podcast. This is the podcast version of our webcast, so some of the slides we might reference will be missing, but you can find the whole episode on our YouTube channel. This is Raising Hacker Kids with Jordan Drysdale and John Strand. Enjoy. We are going to be getting into a tremendous amount of technical content, talking about how to secure Active Directory, which is one of the last ones I did with you. That was awesome. And we're not going to talk about web apps. We're going to talk about the holidays coming up. And I don't know about you guys, but I hate it whenever you go to like Christmas things and it's nothing but a whole bunch of toys that are loud, noisy. And as soon as the toys are open, you're immediately thinking, how am I going to make this toy disappear? Uh, from from my kids or you leave just, it at grandma or right? leave it at grandma's house right? right so you don't ever have to deal with it so we wanted to change that up a little bit do something a little bit festive <laughs> hence hats so we're going to talk about raising hacker kids i do want to put a special note on ethics here we're going to be talking about a number of different things and we'll be talking specifically about pen testing and even lock picks we're Bring going to be in. teaching kids things like lock picking so your kids pick, pick locks. locks are your kids bad children Sometimes. Mine are too. Uh, so what we're saying is this whole thing that I'm trying to say about it, we failed as parents. Entirely. But, yeah, completely. So yes, there are going to be some things about picking locks that some people viewing this webcast would say, well, you're teaching children to do bad things. You're che teaching them to be criminals. That's a load of crap. My kids were bad kids before I got them into picking Absolutely. locks. It had nothing to do with lock picks whatsoever. They stole things from my wallet. Absolutely. It, yeah. it's, they just got better at it. But in all honesty, all joking aside, if you're unethical, usually that is not from something that you learned to do. Like, you know, if you learn how to pick locks, that doesn't make you an evil person. If you look at user acceptance documents, if you look at ethical documents for SANS 504, I always say signing this ethics disclosure doesn't make you an ethical person. It just means you know that we told you you shouldn't do bad things. So I say use your discretion. So when you're teaching children hacking, when you're teaching them lock picking, if the kid is constantly breaking into vehicles, stealing things out of wallets and setting houses on fire, you may wanna think that through. So ethics matter, be careful what you're teaching your children. I wanna throw a special shout out to the Holiday Hack Challenge. KringleCon is going and if you want, Sit around with your children, go through the holiday hack challenges. The previous years are all out there. So please get them started on that. It's a great way to get kids into computer security, packet analysis, dealing with protocols in a way that isn't intimidating. It, it's a fun little video game. Previous two years or three years, yeah. they got the little 16-bit video game. And it feels like the kids are playing a game, but then it ties it into real-world skills. And just a huge shout-out to Ed Scotus and the team at CounterHack. They have done a fantastic job this year. I got to hear the music for entering Santa's castle and it sounds oh, fantastic. So Ed was showing off all kinds of stuff cool. last I week. I got an invite from a previous customer to join his team. For this. You should, yeah. you should. Oh, it's absolutely. a good time. Pretty also, excited. we'll talk a little bit more about teaching your children how to code here in a moment, but I'm gonna hand it over to you because you have a completely separate set of slides. Wait. That you have set up. Oh, we're gonna and bounce gonna, around? We're gonna bounce around. Excellent. So can you put this in play mode? So this one, right, <laughs> this is a good parlay into ethics yep. and morals and values, right? Oh, wow. This There's is an eight-year-old, right? And, I mean, we're talking five, six seconds on this lock. He's going to pick up a master lock, says, you ready? Go. Done. Whoa, that was fast. Like, his fingers are magic. Like, we deal with people who make magic in computer systems. Mm -hmm. We also deal with people who can see and feel magic in their fingers. Also, we've noticed with lock picking, it, it's a consistent theme. I've talked about it with Deviant. 
it seems that younger children do better picking locks. Uh, they yeah. seem to be able to feel it a lot better. Whereas you get older and your hands get calloused and like, you know, like all kinds of yeah. crooked gnarled and I don't, like, I don't have the dexterity and anymore. You go and get the, the things and you crack it. But, uh, but aside from like lock picks, which are awesome, what are some things we should do to try to protect our children as well? I recommend open DNS for households. I mean, why not? There's, there's no reason from my perspective not to put your children in a safer position as they search the internet. We like to set screen time limits and we're going to get into some discussion later of things like Amazon, Google, Verizon, all, all these vendors now offer us support for enforcing limits of screen time and things like that. So how do you actually get kids to get on board with long passwords? Because everything has to boil yeah. down to their phone and how they log yeah. in. Oh, absolutely. I only have one kid with a phone and right now it's in a state of limbo, right? Should she have it? Shouldn't she have it? The answer is no, but you're gonna lose yeah. it anyway. Oh, absolutely. She's been awesome with it though. And we offered it back and she said, you know what? No, I don't like looking at kids staring at their phones. Yeah. But basically the password thing is this. If our kids come home from school with their planners or whatever, and they got access to this new app and there's a five or six character password that the school assigned to their account, Right, we go through the iterations of guess what? That's a terrible password. Here's why. Yeah. Your friend, this password is probably some iteration of their last name and numbers, right? So you got the little sticky note on the kids' computers where it shows up and it's like it's like yeah. right. And then it, they also send it home with it's, a little instructional guide that says, do not change your password. You're not allowed to change your password. We recommend you tape the password onto your computer. It's just kind of ridiculous. So my point here is if we start having the conversation with our kids, we have generally failed across the board at passwords in this country. Yeah. Right. It is killing us in our companies, in our lives. And if we can push this conversation down to our kids age, maybe as we evolve better security, our kids are going to be that. Well, this also entry. gets back into the ethics thing, right? Because kids honestly don't know where those boundaries are. You talk about the passwords that are right on the computers. So my kids came home and they had their passwords right on their computers. And my youngest son is like, oh, this person's password is this. And this person's password is this. And this person's password is this. And it's just right on their computers. And all I got to do is walk by and see their password. And they're trying to memorize my password, but I memorize their passwords a lot faster. So for whatever reason, he has this innate ability to look at a password and memorize yep. it, which is <laughs> just a chip off the old Yeah, he probably my got that from you, didn't he? Eric, it is great. So... The, the problem that I have with that is we're teaching children that six character passwords are like, I think the ones the schools are using are five character passwords. Some iteration of our last normal, name and a number. You can't change it. And it's just kind of reinforcing that. So you've got to run counter at home to basically try to get them into better security practices. Absolutely. And worse, right? The planners, the middle school planners now, the teachers will hand out an application. It includes a password. They write down the password in the planner. All of them. I mean, mm -hmm. come on. That requires us to actually do some fights at schools, like as parents that yeah. we are in security, go and talk to the schools and basically be yeah. like, this is ridiculous. This is wrong. At least let the kids change their passwords. You are wrong. Here we go. Privacy and data online. This is a conversation I have with my kids. And the 11-year-old has a phone in her hand. She said, Dad, I searched something and now it's somewhere else in my life. <laughs> How is this connection occurring? Right. So then the discussion about data and what, what you do online and how it follows you around. Again, these are just conversations to have with your children. Yeah, just to know that people are in fact tracking you everywhere that you go. It's kind of funny, like Lauren will sit down and use my computer and she'll go shopping on Amazon. And then for the rest of the week, I got like, you know, girls tennis shoes and, <laughs> and like, you know, exercise stretch pants. And exactly. it's just, and I guess that's also to parents, don't let your children ever use your computers or whatever it is that they search for.
they will forever be haunting you. Indeed. Coding. Oh yeah, fun one. So six-year-old, eight-year-old have learned how to code with the Ozobots, right? What's really neat about these things, they follow whatever instructions you give them. You can program them with Scratch and Blockly, which we'll see in a little bit. So you can integrate them further with applications on your phones and devices and Kindles and, and all that stuff. So again, our kids are, are learning things from a basic level, how to program, what programming is, how to break things, how to fix things, how to troubleshoot things. And then they, they're, we're trying to grow them into at least being aware of coding and programming, whether they go into this field or not. I mean, I recommend they avoid well, it completely. But, <laughs> but let's also look at the, look at the coding skill set. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. If you're a biologist, if you're, if you're going into medical or you're a lawyer, anything, having a little bit of understanding of how to code and deal with data and how to handle that data and process that data, that's something that's applicable across every single oh, different, yeah. different career path that you can choose. That, that's a fantastic point, right? You can't go into any field. You can't go into farming without understanding the basics of computing. Well, basics of computing, but then I think that you become that much better at it. So for, for example, Erica, as you know, is really, really into farming and she's looking at plants. Well, what's the optimal time to try to water your plants and how can you actually program the watering to happen at certain times of the day so it works properly. Or you can also have sensors mm -hmm. that'll read the amount of moisture in the ground and it'll automatically water whenever it drops below a certain point. So something is like farming, you, there's definitely applications in play for doing basic level development and coding as well. Should we do our first gift here? Are we ready? Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go into the gifts. So for those of you that are watching, we bought a whole bunch of gifts and a tremendous amount of these gifts are actually going to be given to our children for Christmas, which thankfully my kids don't think I'm cool at all. So they probably won't see this webcast, but I'll actually be sharing with you some of the gifts that I'm getting my kids for Christmas. So here's the first I one. I solemnly swear I'm up to no good. I mean, it's funny. It looks like they got a gift for me when that's not the case at all. It's how it works. But here we go. It's a lockpick training set. So uh, do you want to talk about this? This isn't a Southard, is it? It is. Uh, uh, it's Lockmall. A Lockmall. Okay. So do you want to talk a little bit about what this is and what's set up and why this lock is important for teaching kids how to pick locks? Oh, absolutely. This lock right here, if you haven't read Deviant's book, which is super funny, this basically describes and allows you to visualize how pins operate, what a shear line is, how barrels turn. This lock alone, all of our kids can pick. They see the pin action as they insert their rakes. So these are fantastic kids. What? 30 bucks for the whole set. Yeah, I actually got this same kit for Laura, one of our interns. Well, she's not really an intern anymore, but she said she was interested in learning how to pick locks. So I ordered a kit for her. Excellent. So, also, this is nice and horrible at the same yes, time. Yes, I agree with that statement. Entirely. So this lock pick, there's one downside I really don't like about this lock pick set is it's great because the handle is nice, big, and comfy. But the downside is the handle is nice, big, and comfy. And it doesn't hold the actual picks in as, as tight as I would like them to. It tends to come loose and fall out. And they tend to be a little bit sharp once they come out as well. But it's great for kids just getting started. I know I just said, hey, it's, it's sharp and pointy. Let's give it to children. I understand it's a little bit off, but this makes it a little bit easier to get into lock picking. I know that we started on the mm -hmm. very cut edge ones that they Hurt kind of cut hands, into the hands, but you got to build those calluses over time. Yep. We don't want to do that to a small child. So I'm going to put this back in its package. Why don't you open this one up? So these are what you see whenever you go to hobby stores for like remote control airplanes and, and train sets and things like that. They're called snap circuits. 
And I don't know if anybody has ever played with snap circuits, but they are absolutely amazing. You can set up like a light sensor. So as soon as the light gets Whoa. to a certain level, it'll do something. Those are very um, cool. It has something that'll listen. It also has motion sensors. So my youngest son uh, basically created a motion detector right here to protect his Halloween candy from his brother and sister. So anytime anyone walked by, it would actually trip the circuit and then it would play something in the uh, speaker right here. And that they have a number of them. Very this cool. is a core. This, this one is, is the arcade. So it allows you to use snap circuits to actually create video games. Now they're kind of lame video games, but it at least has some level of, of game that you can create in the circuits. But you get the breadboard, breadboard, the snap circuit board, and then they get a whole bunch of guides, step-by-step -step instructions, and, and how to set it up. So you can create so kind cool. of a home run derby game, and blue light game, and they have like diodes and all kinds of things. And they use the actual correct iconography. So whenever you're trying to learn the circuits, they actually learn how to actually read circuit printouts correctly. We have some that questions cool. about uh, the age of these things. So oh, the snap cool. circuit says eight to 108. Yeah, that would be about right. Yeah. Um, I am working, honestly, I'm working through Python for kids with my oldest yeah. and I am coding the adventure game that she wants to play. And then we'll see if she, if she can get through this stuff. She's only 11. So we'll see if she can get through this stuff with some meaningful understanding of again, the frameworks of coding. So I also think understanding the possibilities is really important for children. This is a great website for kids. Mm -hmm. My boys play this and I pay them like X number of dollars per level they pass. So there's that incentive. Sometimes it's hard to compete against Grand Theft Auto or, or Fortnite oh, or absolutely. anything like that. So you've got to throw some money or candy. I, I know it's bribing and I know those people that are child development mm -hmm. psychologists are like, that's the wrong way screw off. It's hard, right? Being a parent is difficult, but this is great because it's basically a video game and you can play it. So I wanted to demo this real quick. If you want to get another present yeah, up happen. and going. So if you go to code combat and you just set up an account, you can just jump right in and you can play directly. Here we go. We did code warrior as well, which was, uh, you can do it in Java. No, yep. Yeah. They also do like Java, Python, yep. all kinds of different ones. So you've got your various levels that you can set up for the dungeons. This one has 42 levels. And whenever you play the game, I'll just go with that. We're going to learn Python. Because every great hacker quit. kid needs. Yeah, they got to learn how to play a games, hoodie. right? Oh, you got a little <laughs> hacker hoodies. That's so cute. All right. So I'm jumping in here in a second. And you basically have your object, which would be the hero. And then you have your methods that you can have your hero do. you got your little Python interpreter right here. You could type hero. Use the methods over here that they give you. And then you type in your object, which is hero. And then you can say, I want hero to move right. And then I want hero to move down. And then hero move right. So I just created a little program. And now I run it. Hero is going to move right. And then she gets killed by the spikes because I had her run right twice. So I'll delete this one. And we'll rerun it. And there we go, hero move right, hero move down, and then hero move right. And then you can also do fighting and things like that. So it's really teaching children the idea that you have a thing, an object, and then you can have that object do methods and it lists the methods out that you can do. This is interesting in that the difference is as the avatar is wandering through this, right? Avatar wandering forward, taking a right, going down. You say avatar move right again. Yeah, and it's gonna right? turn right so around. So Ozobot, you have to tell it like go left now. 
you have to because be it's, positioned it's as changes. Yes. Yep. Interesting. So those are just a couple of uh, really cool games to get kids started as well. Yep. Code.org is a is a fun one. There's tons of projects on there. You can go to the next slide here. I think we got more stuff. Go. This is just you know more pictures of our kids and family. If we don't mention the Hall of Doors, I feel like we're doing Rick and Fletch a serious disservice. This is my favorite thing I have ever seen at any conference ever. I mean, it is so cool. And it was almost every single month. They were like, can we spend more money for a door that has these things? I'm like, yes, go ahead. And it'll never be shipped anywhere. It is no. here and only here at Wawa's Hacking Fest. But it was amazing how many kids yes, we had there. And you can see absolutely. Jane's going through it right now. And once again, I noticed sitting and watching it, the kids did better than the adults. Yes. Like Deviant no and Tara was sitting there and helping and kind of playing yeah. around with it. They just went in and they just made yeah. it happen. Just string. Really what do cool. I do with this string? Oh, stuff it through the lock. Oh, look. Yep. Door. Done. So that was really, And really again, cool. the lock picking one, right? You had to pop a lock. And I mean, these kids, like, they're much more effective. Yeah. All right. So you've got one. I'm going to go around and get one of mine. Sure. Yeah. We've talked about the Python books. It would not be like a hacker kid of proper webcast if we didn't teach our children social engineering. This game is <laughs> awesome. It's called Resistance. And you've probably played it. It also has other names. There's a version of it called Avalon. There's a version of it called Werewolf. And you set up teams. So we have a family of five. So there'll be two people that are part of the evil corporate empire. And the other people are fighting that evil corporate empire, the other three. But no one knows who's on what team except for the two bad people. Right. Uh, so you go on these this. missions. And there's really nothing to the missions. It's just basically the people that go on the missions contribute success or fail cards and you submit them down and then they get turned over and let's say that you have four people on a team and one person does a fail well the mission failed and if the mission fails yeah. the bad people won that round but then you got to figure out who is the plant who is the bad person on that team and you got to go through x number of missions depending on the number of players nothing you will ever work with in your children will ever teach them how to lie better than this game for social engineering and I know that that seems weird, but the other thing that it does is it actually teaches your kids how to detect other people lying. And the other thing that's great for parents is you get to learn your children's tells when they're lying like that. So this is a fantastic game. The resistance, awesome. great for social engineering and teaching children how to lie. <laughs> I'm going to go to any questions that we have here. That one sounded quite... Yeah. Teaching your children how to lie. Social engineering for children. And this is an Ozobot. I don't know what, they're 40 or 50 bucks. <laughs> seem to react well with people. Teaching children how to lie? How's this for teenagers? They call it a bit. Right there? Yep. Comes with markers. Responds to commands. These are very, very cool. Again, I think we saw, there's a GIF coming up. So go ahead and... Move to that next slide. I want to put this guy back in so I don't yeah, hurt it. Right. Oh, I turned it on. All right, so there we go. Yep, drawing a little Ozobot challenge, coding it, telling it how to do its thing. Responds to different color patterns. Accelerate. That's it. Easy peasy. So you can tell it whenever you see green, do this. Whenever you see red, do this. Yes. And again, this is available. Like you can code and integrate with apps on devices, right? Scratch. So how Blockly. do you actually get the code onto it? Is it all Bluetooth? It's all or... in there. Nope. You don't have to do anything. Yes. You would USB Bluetooth it to you... link it. To link it. Yes. Okay. Very cool. No. That's just so again, awesome. right? We're going to mention, I'm going to mention this again. 
choose wisely. Choose wisely. Yep. Use your powers for good, not evil. It's so nice that you said that after I taught children how to lie. Yes, but we, we had this conversation with our kids, right? I had a Father's Day video put together where my wife asked my kids, what does your dad do for work? One, I think said, he counts potato chips. <laughs> Two, I think she said something to the effect of, he guesses bad passwords and then tells people about how bad their passwords are. It's actually not far off. Right? That's really not. Pretty, and so when they go to school now and say, hey, my dad taught me to pick locks, right? We're in this gray area of now someone looking down on my child, right? I can't, I can't figure out where, I, I don't know. Yeah, choose wise. This is a yeah, this is a non-standard lifestyle choice. I, I would say for sure. But some of the best hackers, like you look at Luke, Luke Bagan, Mark's son. What he started doing this stuff. wizardry. He's amazing. Yeah. It's just amazing. Terrifying. So it's just like these brilliant people, and a lot of them started when they were younger. So next slide, or do we want to bring? Oh yeah, anytime. Again? Nope, we're good. This is some of the stuff we do to try to protect our family at home and in our lives and on our digital devices and on our integrations and the things we do as a family, right? Open DNS. The parental controls and the DNS servers listed here are different from some of their other DNS servers, but these are the ones that are out of the box, filtered for adult content, standard garbage you see on the internet. And you don't have to sign up an account. You just point your right No, right. yeah. These are ready to go out of the box. You can pay OpenDNS for advanced feature sets, like content, like specific content filtering, URL whitelisting, blacklisting, things of that nature. Couple, we can run through these real quick and we'll get back to John's and gifts and stuff. So again, yeah, Verizon Smart Family, this is a way to link all the devices in your home. None of our kids carry Verizon cell phones. So this one right here is another gift we'll get to momentarily, but we can basically link the device in this box through Google Family Link, right? Android OS, we can link them all together. We can see where our kids are, how much time they're spending on their phones. And this is a track phone, right? So. So you can tie that in yeah. to your Google family link. Absolutely. And you can see it. So see where they are. And then last, right, Amazon household. So Kindles, your devices, right? My teenagers can buy things on the, on Amazon and I get a text from Amazon saying, do you approve this? Right? <laughs> That'd be nice. So unfortunately, anyway, Erica would use that against me. I believe that is the end of my That's slide, the end of deck. Your slide yep. deck. So I'm... I've got something. You go ahead and open that. No, please. Uh, so this is Boxels. So this allows you to create your own 8-bit style video games. So you get this grid board, kind of like Lightbright, where you create your pixels, you put your pixels in, and then you can create your character. And then the same thing can be used to create your world where your character is going to play, and you can design what the attributes of the character actually is. This one is so, listed as age eight. Age eight or more. And I honestly, truly, completely would say, don't give it to an eight-year-old. I don't know what this one is. The age group is on this one. This one's 10 plus, and I think that's a little sure. little low as well. For the Boxel, I would recommend that to be someone around like 10, 11, to be completely honest with you, because an, an eight-year-old is not going to be able to handle this. I know some people like, well, my kid is a pieces. genius, but yeah. eight years old, you're just one step above sniffing and eating paint. <laughs> so we need to get a little bit older with this, because some of the components are a little bit smarter. But you can design your characters customize and create a world layout, and then you can share it with other people. So also sticking on the video game development theme, this is a code gamer. This is a little bit more advanced for Shurzy's, a little bit more advanced. This is actually has a full controller and then how you can use that controller. You can actually create your own scrolling video games. I think there's like five or six different 
different types of games that you can create with it. This is a little bit more advanced. Now, both of these, if you go on Amazon and you look at the reviews, they're pushing about three stars. And the reason why is if you read the reviews, there's a tremendous number of reviews where they say, I got this thing for my kid and it was stupid. He couldn't play any video games, couldn't make it work. And mm. they didn't actually go through the effort to make it happen. It's kind of like you remember the Lego bots uh, where you could. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Called that. Uh, what do they call that? Where's Flash? I can't remember. I can't remember off the top of my head where you could make your Lego own Lego Connect? robots. It wasn't, I can't remember what it was. But a lot of people didn't like those. They didn't have great reviews because they were very complicated and it was common for people to get frustrated with it before they actually got to the point where there was a payoff because you had to build this big robot and then you'd have to program the robot and then the interface was ugly. There was a whole bunch of problems with that. I generally don't recommend that to smaller children. I recommend that more for high schoolers. Yeah. This is something I'm excited to get into. The reviews, when I read them, there was a bunch of people that said, yeah, we plugged it in and all we got was a bunch of components and they were all disassembled. Well, for me and my kids, I'm like, yeah, I wanted my kids yeah. to be using to a breadboard, a breadboard. Yes. how to use a breadboard. And basically they got a, a Cosmodrino, which is an Arduino oh. that goes into the microcontroller and you can set up the buttons and how things are going to work and the sensor bot oh, and everything. Beautiful. And it's just, this is just cool, right? But it's absolutely not for everybody. It's not going to be a quick game that you can throw together. So, and I'm going to add the track phone. This is a $50 introduction for our kid, our oldest kid mm -hmm. to digital device maintenance, right? Can you handle having a device? How much time do you spend on your device? This for us proved that our eight-year-old was one, responsible with the device, two, understood screen limits, three, when she lost it and we offered it back, she said, no, you know what? I don't think I need it. So you were able to tie that together with Family Link? Or yeah, with these $50 devices? device, right? Yeah. Not a $800 iPhone, $50 device that we can link with Google Family into an Android circle. So when we first got started with phones for our children, it was a few years ago, and the Google stuff was lagging. It was way far behind for yeah. Apple. So we ended up going the Apple path, and I regret that very, very strongly. <laughs> I regret that because it kind of appears that Google has leapfrogged Apple. Like you could put NetNanny and things like that, and if anyone has ever tried working with NetNanny or any of those different kind of monitoring software programs for your kids, they're an absolute complete train. They tend to brick a ton of apps. It creates more problems than they actually solve. So that's interesting. It looks like that would be yep. a good place to go. Yeah, okay, so, so go she lost her phone, and we started her down the Code Academy route. And not Code Academy, Code, code Academy. Academy. Yeah. Called Pass a Module, you can have your phone back. Just, can but you then, lock the phone out and then unlock it? So well, you, no, we physically together. took it. You physically her. took it. But yes, you yeah. can absolutely lock out the device. Now, there was a DNS provider. I can't remember what it was. I think they went out of business where you could hook into your DNS settings and you could say that you had to pass four or five different Khan Academy modules. <laughs> and it, but I don't, I don't think they actually worked out too well. That's awesome. um, so that's pretty cool. What else do we have here for? Oh, I'm switching back over to my slides real quick. I think it's time. Yeah, so this is another robotics development platform, kind of simple, similar to Lego NX and setting that up. But I, I have that. I was disappointed in that. So I'm trying something new. I'm always worried when they say, oh, well, we've got an app, a mobile app that you can run on iOS or Android. A lot of those apps are complete garbage. So we'll see how this works. But I would say any level of robotics that you can get your kids into is a good thing. And I kind of collect these different robot kits and it's very easy for kids to get bored and just move on. As I said, it's very hard to compete with Fortnite. It's very hard to compete with PUBG or what's the uh, Fallout, not Fallout 76, because that game was a complete 
utter debacle. And that was just a bad, bad, bad game. A Red Dead Redemption. That too, that's the one. Oh my gosh. So there's all these video games that you're constantly fighting. And I, I like the idea you lose your phone, you yep. do X number of modules, you can get it back. I think that that's awesome. By the way, I found this picture. There's a website that's all of these gift fails for children where they gave children these soft horrible soap. gifts. Yeah, soft soap. And look at this. It's a rice patty. So, all right. Uh, do you have another gift? Nope. I want to do one more. This is an order. honest gift for you. Oh, I appreciate it. I want to so go to this guitar. Very, very small. So I should let you borrow this guitar. Oh, my. No, I, I, I want it back. But I, since you're learning guitar and I just found out, I wouldn't. Um, that you're learning Dang. guitar. I'm going to send this home with you. Okay? So this is, I don't know if you guys can see it. Okay. This is a fret light guitar. Okay? All right. So this is a fret light guitar. And the reason why I like this guitar, the newer fret lights are amazing. They're all Bluetooth, so you don't need an extra cable that runs to it. But I liked this guitar because the circuitry is actually built into the guitar itself. And you can plug in your chords, you can switch around your, your scales and the keys that you're working in, and the lights will change up. Now, why would we talk about that on a webcast talking about hacker kids? Talk about that in a webcast with hacker children because I fundamentally believe that there's a link between music and hacking. I know that there's a lot of people that don't hack, uh, excuse me, people that play music that don't hack or people that hack that never played music. But I think that the ultimate kind of point in understanding how to interact with something, how to make that thing do what you want it to do is fundamentally extremely important for any of our children. And that ties into the last slide that I have for this. Why does this matter? Because when we're looking at developing hacker kids, the original definition of what a hacker was, was somebody that wanted to know things. They wanted to understand things. They wanted to understand how the world actually worked. And that boils down to a fundamental difference to me between acceptance of what is and the ability to create what could be. And I feel like music very much ties into that. Bo and I have talked about this extensively where a lot of people that are into hacking, they're constantly pushing, they're constantly evolving, they're constantly learning. And that's really what you're trying to instill in your children. And I absolutely hate video games. And I know I have things like creating video games here, but I, but I think they're different, right? The reason why I hate video games is there's no real concept of growth. And I know that there's people that are gonna get mad at me for saying this, they're gonna say, well, I play video games and it's a form of escapism, it's a form of release, that's fine. There's a lot of other things that you can do. And I, I'm speaking from someone who was horribly addicted to video games and dropping video games and switching into computer security fundamentally changed my life. Because when you're playing a video game or you're watching a movie or you're watching YouTube videos, you're binge watching on Netflix, you're accepting what is given to you. You're not actually interacting and creating something. And one of the core tenets of hacking is understanding how things work and also the ability to create, the ability to code, the ability to counter a problem and come up with creative solutions for that problem. Those are all traits of a hacker. And those are all the traits that we're trying to instill in our children. And we're trying to get you to instill into your children as well. So we need more creators. We need people that have the ability to not look at the world as what's been given to them, because that creates a very, very, I want to say poor citizen who's constantly waiting for the government to fix things for them, or they're constantly waiting for their parents to fix things for them, or they want the school to give them an A because, you know, they're just big meanies and they deserve to get an A, but they didn't actually earn it. And I believe that if we can start taking things and getting our children to build, to create, we're developing better people because they're learning how to manipulate and make the world a better place. And they understand that that actual responsibility is on their shoulders. 
So that's why this matters. So we've got a couple more gifts here. Um, um, I do, I do want to bring up a point that's really interesting. We didn't work on our slides together. No. But where didn't. mine start and where yours close tie together really nicely, right? Oh. <laughs> it is about growth. It is about moving forward. It is about training people to think critically. I also think it's funny because I know that there's a lot of people on this webcast that are probably buying snap circuits for their kids. <laughs> and as soon as it opens, they're going to be like, oh, you know, I'm going to create something that's going to be a, a camera. Um, also, additional things for us, the people in the security community, anything from Hack5 is just the cat's pajamas, folks. This is a full tactical kit that just got in the mail. You got your micro ethernet switch, your bash bunny, your land turtle, your packet squirrel. All the, the usage uh, guides that go the with The Wi-Fi them. pineapple, the guides with the oh, comic books that Mudge creates. This, this is awesome, right? This is just something. These are the things that we love. <sighs> and I needed a new set to take with me to Sanscom. But yeah, this ultimately goes back to choosing wisely. And, and the only way our kids, I think, get prepared as adults to make these types of decisions is if they've had the opportunity to make these decisions at multiple times. Uh, so you teach your kids, teach your kids to pick locks. Do you want to find out that there's someone who's going to be picking locks when they're 25 years old, breaking into places, or now, whenever you can kind of shepherd and guide them properly down the right direction? So it'd be a so pretty much. respectable job choice. It would be. Right? It would be. A locksmith is a good job. Is a good job. Job choice too. So. So I think that's it. I, I'm gonna. We've got some time for some questions. Let's oh, jump in on the questions. I, okay, I would say yeah. Code Combat is one of the best ones. And Code Warrior too. Those yeah, two code are. Warrior. I, they, they must be made by the same people because the back end feels very similar. Well, and I also think Code Warrior. You can download the whole thing from Git. Oh, uh, nice. I think you can actually clone it. I'm not very sure. Cool. And then Code.org, right? Yep. This is a really fun one for kids. We we have a touchscreen laptop that sits at our kid workspace, right? Shared space, so they can go to Code.org. Mm -hmm. And they all sit around and they're all trying to solve puzzles. They can touch the screen and drag over Blockly and try to run. And, and you see them all interacting and trying to solve puzzles and challenges. So code.org is one of our favorites. Yep. Um, we had a great comment from uh, one of our good friends here locally, Susan, who said, I don't think it's a bad thing for kids to know how easy it is to pick a lock so that they, they, they understand the redundancy in defense actually does need to happen. And I think that that's important because going back to accepting the world as it's given to you, if you start making assumptions that things are safe with a five character password, or you're making an assumption that something's safe with a crappy lock, you know better. And I think that that's, that's a fantastic point. So thanks. Jason also talked about Raspberry Pi tutorials. Yes. I didn't go into Raspberry Pi because I feel like that would have been an hour-long webcast in and of itself. Oh, absolutely. But almost everything in Snap Circuits, you can buy Raspberry Pi add-ons where you can actually hook in light sensors, sound sensors, all of these different things into a Raspberry yeah, Pi Yeah, let me as well. expand on that, right? The last kits DRock got for us for our wireless lab, for our wireless kits. Uh, they are 3D printed cases, mm -hmm. really, really cool. And they come with a fan, right? And I can't tell you how much fun our 11-year-old had putting together the 3D kit and getting the pins on the right GPIOs. Yeah. It, it was, I mean, amazing, right? The Raspberry Pi is so much fun. But once again, I think you got to get them past the, here's an instantaneous video game. You're jumping out of a bus at 10,000 feet, <laughs> skydiving in. It's hard to kind of yeah. compete with that. I'm going to go up on a couple more questions that we have here. Yeah, I we can't imagine what what are, what do you think our audience is doing for their children, right? We have uh, you know, we have some seriously funny. amazing people that keep track of what we do. All right, so here's one. Uh, Jason said, "I'd love to hear any tips for convincing young kids to move past graphical programming languages like Scratch and Blocky 
And I think that that's oh. where that code warrior and code combat is so important is it allows you to start gamifying that a little bit. And, and these, they also right? work like, their I way out. These. Also these this projects. Is, the this projects has been the good. next step for my kid moving out of Scratch and Blockly was the Python for kids, right? I am working through this one because it's advanced. But this one is designed to learn what is a list? What is a dictionary? Why does that matter? How do we iterate through these things? So for us, this is my attempt at transitioning. I don't honestly know if it will work, right? Yeah. We never really do. But yeah. you throw things at it and hope Hope, it, hope it sticks, right? The first hackery lesson, I would say, this sounds, I'm just going to throw mine out there, password cracking. Because for me, and I would probably start with something like LLMNR. Um, the reason why I would start with something like that is you pick a lock and you immediately see things turn and there's that immediate visceral click. And if you can actually show a child using something like Responder, I've intercepted your password hash on the network, I've cracked your password, now I'm logging into your computer, that's gonna blow a child's mind. It's gonna be like seeing the tumblers and that lock pick snap. Once again, being very careful that you know the kid's not a Nazi in waiting, but you would have to be very, very careful in the child that you teach. But if you're trying to introduce them into the world of hackery, yeah. you're stepping into the dark arts. How about, Might as well yeah. drop in and show them that. What, what How about this? Think? Okay, my first thing. Since the track phone and integration with uh, Google Link requires, or generally requires a lot of bandwidth, the plans we buy are talk and text only, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want this on my network, break the wireless network, run, Airmon to turn on a monitor interface, dump packets, capture handshake, crack handshake. It's four commands and there's no reason an 11 year old can't handle that, right? And then let's say they do something bad. Boom, change the key on the network, mm -hmm. crack the network again, wow. right? Just keep rotating. This is funny, there's a lot of people that really like the music thing, so that's good. That is so good. Mindless YouTube videos. Oh. oh okay, so I'm fighting that now. Yeah, uh, we are youngest, fighting that. Where they just ours. get on that chain and they just start going. And it's hard because let's talk about schools and how I think that schools are creating some problems. If you look at schools today, they give you that six or five <sighs> or six character password that's a variation of their name, right? That's bad security thing, number one. Number two, they give them these lockdown notebook computers and our kids have to go to YouTube to do schoolwork. It's this huge influx of, you know, these amazing videos on nature and freaking Logan Paul videos all together, all mixing in into one place. And I don't know, I I'm honestly just, just started not, grinding my teeth. I Sorry. honestly don't know how to handle that myself because you can't just block YouTube. So what we always try to default to is, and this is a hard thing, your kids shouldn't have computers in their bedrooms. They should not Correct. have computers in areas where they're isolated from the rest of the family. They should not have their phones in their bedrooms. And I fail at this, right? I don't want to be the parent that says, in my family, the kids, their phones are only allowed in the entryway and they're never allowed to take their computers up to their rooms. That's total BS because they sneak it all the time. They go and do their homework upstairs because it's quiet, but you got to be constantly fighting that. So we're trying to keep the computers in a open family area, like the dining room, the living room, the kitchen. The other thing that Eric and I have been talking about, and I don't know how well this is going to work out, is we've been talking about switching to hardwire. So there is no wireless in our house for their cell phones, because you know there's no cell phone coverage in my house. Oh, but if they want to plug in, they have to plug into a hardline jack yeah. with a real computer. I'll let you know if that actually works as well. So yeah, we've done something like this, right? I have my workspace in one corner, right? My kids' workspace and the computer they can use is right here. Yeah, so they they generally are restricted to that space and control times. Yeah, I mean that's hard, right? How many controls do you put in 
on your kids. How many controls do you put in your company, right? I've, I've kind of crossed that boundary, well, right? right? Okay, so can your kids still be kids? Cats. Can, can your, your pen testers still pen test? So, all right, so, so are you aware of a good family, true family MDM solution for tablets and phones? No, you know, unless you're at home and you're using something like OpenDNS and you're tying it in together, Google that's Link, what you need it. to do. I actually, okay, so let's get a little bit more technical. We should have something on protecting at home. PFSense is awesome. Coming oh, up with OpenWart is awesome. I use at home, I'm using MicroTix with router OS on them. Now, granted, they're Russian and they're probably backdoored, but whatever. But they have full IP fix and NetFlow capabilities and a router that's $58. So it's not just an issue of me getting some really crappy telemetry. I get full NetFlow analysis. And there's also full DNS logs of everything that's going on in my family. So I've been trying to work with that more and more at home but there just isn't a good family router i've talked with erica about it a number of times and she's like you guys should just make one you should make a family router that has logging of what websites these ip addresses went to and a wall of sheep we use fortigate you use a full fortigate yeah we use fortigate content filtering and the same stuff you say someone just mentioned microtech is a latvian company so Ah. thanks for the clarification thank you latvia is a wholly owned subsidiary of russia i'm not gonna even step in that like pile of poop i'm not going there no no Gulags were mentioned during pre-show. We probably, did mention probably should avoid that. Yeah, we yeah. probably should not, that not right there. talk about gulags. But yeah, the, the FortiGate solution is expensive. It's license-based. It's not for everyone. The interface for me is nice and easy, easy to configure, right? We can see all the application traffic that it believes it has identified. It will mm-hmm. categorize the rest, right? It's like bro with a GUI. Yep. And Ubiquity. It's Jason not bro anymore. About, sorry. It's Zeek. Thank you. There's some other ones out there that you should look at. Uh, Dale just basically did a plus one on the FortiGate as well. But notice how we're, we're jumping into like enterprise class solutions Absolutely. as geeks, right? You can't go to Walmart or Best Buy and find something that I think is actually home grade that gives us the level of fidelity that we want as tech parents. So once again, that's probably home networking is probably something that we want to do a separate webcast. I wanted to do one on setting up a Rita server at home because Rita sure as hell will tell you every place that your kids are going, who are the main websites they're going to as well. So that's very, very good. What else do we have? Sit through crappy uh, Cisco Meraki webinar. They'll send you a free one. Wow. Oh, Jason, thank you. By the way, but that's awesome. That is an awesome recommendation. Sit through a webcast, they'll send that you is or America. a great recommendation. Except it is a great one. you still have to solve the internal to external flow of traffic problem, right? Yeah. You, you, you can problem. put any wireless on your internal now, network. Nathaniel talked about Pi-hole, and we run Pi-hole down at the office. Yes, we do. And Pi-hole has this really cool Heard feature. it on Security Weekly. Yep. You go out to a website. If it's the first time it's seen it, it pops up and it says, hey, you're going to this website. You sure you want yeah. your name authorized with it being associated yeah. with this forever? Amazing. Yeah, Pi-hole is awesome. Uh, Pi-hole is great, but we probably need to do that. Now, Security Onion, I think is fantastic. And Rita does install on Security Onion, but you'd need to create a custom home router at that point yeah. or have the Security Onion at a point where it can see everything pre-network address translation. You can see, we just, we talk about toys, right? And now we're like, home networking, yay. <laughs> um, let's talk about let's talk about Security More Onion. More geeks. Yeah. Let's do fully integrated firewall access point <laughs> and control solutions with SSL VPN. Yeah, and there is a wiki article on how to put Rita on Security Onion as well. The Sweet. only problem that I have with that is how do you actually get it set up properly in a home network? 
pre-network address translation. The MicroTik, the Latvian company, has the capability of doing that. And you can put a ruckus on a layer two access point in front of it, and it works great. But that's getting to be a pretty complicated setup. I would love to get Rita working on an open wart platform where you could basically run it or and, and just set it up right. that way. Why not just throw a tap in there? You want pre-NAT, so you yeah, have to find the right... You got to tap at the right point, but that's yes. having a device that allows you to tap and span. Yep. And once again, MicroTix will allow you to span. Those the were showing up in my head for you as yesterday. Well. So they're just awesome. Probably because I was Googling, you know, we're yeah. Googling the same yeah. thing. All right, well, I think that we're close to wrapping this up. I do want to say thank you so much for coming to this. As I said, it's a non-standard webcast. And Bree and I were talking about this. I think we started talking about it like three, four months ago. And the fact that we got uh, almost 300 people to show up and come hang out and talk about toys for kids is amazing. We're going to resume back to the technical webcast. We have a webcast coming up on WNF subscriptions for bypassing endpoint security products. We have the sacred cash cow tipping coming up in January. I might throw in a surprise webcast. I did a presentation at SANS Hackfest. Would anybody be interested in me giving that presentation live here? It was about cloud pen testing and why cloud pen testing is so important. If you think that that would be a good one, type in yes, I can talk about that. But it's tying together a lot of things that we've been working on. And then I believe in a couple of weeks, we have the tool review. Yes. Where BHIS employees are going to go through their favorite tools that they use. Whether they wrote um, them or found uh, them. Whether they wrote them, Evil, what is it, Evil and GenX? Evil GenX, yeah. Evil GenX is coming up. True. We have a lot of stuff that Poe and Mike have created. Joff Marcello's magic, of course. Oh, all of Marcello's magic. Yes. So we've got a tool review. We're going to get back to the regularly scheduled technical webcasts. Thank you for hanging out for this holiday webcast as well. So have a great day, everybody. Thanks again for showing up. Thanks for listening to the Black Hills Information Security Podcast. Remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, to make sure to leave a positive review. Thanks. So we got one last one here. What yes, this is a little personal gift from the family. Oh, right? It's not that dissimilar from By the way, I, I love what's up on the... Oh, my God. You have taught people to choose wisely. Tens of thousands of people. Thus. So the two choices, um, prison or Superman, that my mom gave me a long time ago. So thanks, man. I appreciate it. God, now I feel awful saying you can borrow my guitar. <laughs> so...